Hey everybody, welcome back to Negro Please Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen. How's everybody doing? Glad to be back. And as usual, off the top, I want to take the time out to thank each and every last one of you for downloading, streaming, however you take in. You watch on YouTube, you listen on Spotify, uh, I iMusic Podcast. However you take in my podcast, I appreciate it. Welcome back. <clears throat> Man, uh, it's been a rough week. Rough week. We'll jump right into the milestone. For those who don't know, we have a nine-year-old son. His name is Miles. I'm like, I like to talk about the different things that are going on in his life. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's nothing. Uh, but we are in full swing of summer. Uh, he doesn't have much to do. We've been going out, riding, uh, riding bikes, pogo sticks, playing with friends. Uh, yesterday, we went out to a school and we hit the ba- baseball for a while. We played catch. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, he can hit. It's just getting him out there on a consistent basis. You know, I, I just, some days he wants to go, some days he doesn't. So, and I, I don't, I don't want to force. I don't want to force, but uh, I think he does have some baseball skills. You know, uh, we had, a, we had a good time. And I think he's starting to see getting out and doing things also helps ease his mind. So it, it's been a, a tough uh, week because he has been super anxious and worried about dying and death which I can totally relate relate to, even as an adult. And we've had several conversations uh, about it. But it's uh, parenting is weird, man. I, I just know in my case, uh, and, and I'm pretty sure this, this is for every parent out there. Um, they really, being a parent and your kids, they really challenge you. And in, in my case, they're really challenged, challenging me, and he's making me face my own fears and my... Um, uh, the things that I'm struggling with, anxiety, I worry about death all the time. And um, it's just, it's just tough. You know, he's nine. You hear, I hear of all these thoughts that he's having. And there's a small part of me in the back of my mind, like, yeah, this is just the beginning, buddy. <laughs> but, you know, um, we're trying to get him to help. We want to get him the the, the, the coping skills and the the knowledge of on how to uh, stop these intrusive uh, thoughts that just spiral out of control and cause panic attacks, and you know just causes him to, to wake up every day and worry. You know, he told my wife he was like, I, he's like, yes, I'm living the same day over and over again, and that and that's stuff to hear, man, from a nine year old who's it's summertime. He's supposed to be going out riding bikes and playing with water guns, and you know, just playing video games and hanging out, and here he is worried about us dying every day you know that and that's his thing he goes i just worry about you and mommy dying and i had to pull him aside and i go buddy you know what's crazy i worry about something happening to you all the time i was like so anxiety and all that kind of stuff just doesn't go away and i'm just trying to tell him like we can't worry about the things we can't change you know when i when i was a kid i used to have uh, severe panic attacks about dying and and not existing and not being here anymore and everything going black. And, you know, just the, the idea of not existing would just really uh, just drive me insane. You know, I would just, I would just yell and scream. I would have these full blown panic attacks. So I understand where he's coming from, you know, and now it's just trying to figure out um, uh, what's causing these thoughts and how can we beat them back? You know, so that's that's what we that's that's what we've been going through all week. It's just him just constantly just in a in a state of um, 
just anxiety and worry. And I will say it's been it's been tough, but I will say it's been good in the in the from the standpoint of he's really been opening up and talking about how he feels. And we're starting to have those conversations about real things. And um, just I can tell it kind of bothers him talking through these thoughts and, and, and scenarios that he's made up in his mind. But I also think uh, I'm seeing that he's he's starting to realize, oh, OK. This actually does make it a little bit better instead of me just dwelling on like dwelling on the one part. Oh, my mom. And what if my mom and dad die? I go, OK, let's talk that out. Say we did die. What would happen? And I told him what was likely to happen if we both something happened to both of us. Then I told him what was likely to happen if something happened to me or if something happened to his mom. And I go, that that's basically what, what your life will look like. And he goes, oh, okay. Yes, he thought it sucked, but I learned a while ago from doctors and therapists and stuff. Sometimes you really just have to play out the thought. So you know what? You really feel like this is this is the uh this is the path for you. This is what's gonna happen to you. Well, let's let's play it all all the way out. Let's play out all the angles. And a lot of times, you know, when you start to do that, you realize how silly you sound and you and you you start to realize, oh, I'm I'm really making all of this up. It's still valid, it still feels real, but it's also good for you to hear, hey man, you're making all of this stuff up. And he really um he really took a liking to the saying about how um, you can invite these thoughts in, but don't serve them tea. And I know I'm butchering that quote. You you hear it so many times. You know, it's okay for these thoughts to come in, but just don't serve them tea. And uh, at first he didn't get it. I explained it to him. Uh, and he really liked that. I told him uh, that you have to think of your brain like a house. Right? And we have a front and back door that are almost lined up. I go, okay, say your brain is the house, buddy. And you have all these bad thoughts about mommy and daddy dying and, and you dying and all this bad stuff happening. I go, well, with the doors closed, those thoughts and ideas and scenario, they're just going to be in the house. I go, but if you keep the front and door back, the front and door, front and back door open, sorry. Um, those thoughts can come and go as they please. And I physically open the front door. I open the sliding back door. And I said all the stuff that he was afraid of. I go, see, now all these bad thoughts and ideas and scenarios can leave. I was like, they can come in. They can go out. They can come in the front door or the back door. It doesn't matter. They can go upstairs. They can go in your room. They can go, but the front and back doors open and they can leave. I was like, we have to keep those doors open. And his eyes lit up. Uh, he was just like, wow, you know, and, um, I found myself giving him advice that I didn't even understand. I would say a few months ago, I had to talk to a friend of mine because I, I heard someone say, just because they're your thoughts, that doesn't mean that they're yours or something to that effect. Every thought in your mind, doesn't that doesn't mean that it's actually your thought. And I, and for me, that didn't make sense. I go, well, it's my brain. They're my thoughts. And someone had to go, yeah, but that doesn't mean that you have to own those thoughts or that they're really coming from you. You know, your brain takes in a lot of stuff. It's mismatching things together. It's, um, you know, processing things. And, you know, sometimes some weird, weird stuff comes out. It's, it's, it's just jumbling a lot of information together. And based on your life experiences and you put them through all these filters and your brain 
you know, spits out something palatable. Either it's either going to be good or bad, just depending on how you how you think and your whole thought process and your outlook on life. And um, yeah, it's just it's just it's been a challenge, you know, to 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 see my son go through all this stuff. And here I am. I'm also struggling, but I have to put this veneer on to act like um, I have it all together and I don't. And I'll say this, I am being very intentional in not trying to come off as a perfect person or uh, invincible dad, because that kind of leads into what I want to talk about. And I know sometimes I can go on and on about certain shit, but this is why I do this podcast, to talk about the shit that's on my mind. And um, so... I came to a realization uh, with the help of my sister, Danielle, this, this past uh, weekend. Had some stuff going on. Kind of got into it with my mom. It was kind of ugly. That's our relationship. We it's, Everything is fine for a while. Then we kind of have these blow-ups. And it's not pretty. Sometimes it's my fault. Sometimes it's her fault. Sometimes it's both of our fault. This time it was mine. Kind of lost it. But what happened... Like, I always tell people, like, I, I love, obviously, I love my dad. He's a great person, great guy. He did a lot for us, sacrifice, all that stuff. And um, But I would say we don't have the best relationship. It's definitely not bad, but we don't talk a whole lot. There's not a lot of exchange of uh, ideas and conversation. And for a long time, I don't know who I really blame for that, but I just knew it really wasn't good. And looking back, I didn't really put in that big of an effort. And this is this is what my sister made me realize. And I, I think this might pertain to uh, a lot of people. I know everybody's situation is very different. There's very, you know, very specific things that, I, that have happened to us in our lives that we either hold on to or shaped us a certain uh, shaped us a certain way. So I'm not saying this is for everybody exactly the way I see it. But I think it applies to everybody in some type of variation. And it's just up to you to figure out how. Uh, it applies to you and your relationship with your parents or whoever it may be. But this is, this is what I came to as far uh, what I came to uh, my sister and I came to, because she made me realize about my dad and I. So I think we tend to forget as, as the children in the, you know, the parent child dynamic that your parents are also learning. This isn't their second or third go around. This is their first go around like everybody else. Everybody is here for the first time. Everything that we're doing, for the most part, it's all new. We don't really know what the fuck we're doing. We're, everybody is learning every single day. And as a as a child, it's very apparent just because we're, we're literally growing up. We're becoming full-grown adults. And yeah, by the fact that we're done growing physically, you know, um, I think people can tend to forget that adults, we have a lot of learning and, and, and evolving to do as well. So I say, I'll have to say growing up, my dad was a very, uh, I had a great dad. I have a great dad. He was a strong disciplinarian. The one thing about my dad, I will say though, is like, 
the way he grew up, he didn't have time for nonsense. It was a bunch of, he was one of 18 kids. He started working at a very young age. And I don't think my dad had very much of a childhood. And I have to remember that. He didn't have a lot of time to just grow up. He was working at a very young age. So he didn't really explore a lot of bullshit ideas. Like I would come to him about some problem and I would want to try to figure it out. And for my dad, everything was black and white back then. I, like, I don't even understand why you're even entertaining these other ideas and thoughts, Chris. It's just like, this is a situation. This is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do. I don't want to hear anything else. And over time, yes, that did affect me. That did bother me. It did. But I, I, I have to think about the world that he grew up in. And at the time, I'm a kid. I'm growing up. I'm not thinking about all that type of shit. I'm not. So my dad was very strict, but I was also kind of an asshole kid. I had a smart mouth. So he kept me on a short leash. He he really did. He did the best that he could. He did a great job. So to me, he was like this very strict disciplinarian that I, I really couldn't have a conversation with because everything, like I said, was so black and white with him. He didn't want to discuss nonsense. It was all about getting the work done, being on time, being efficient. And I also have to remember, too, this is the 90s. He's raising a young black boy in the inner city and crack cocaine, all that shit is rampant. We, I live in the inner city. There's kids my age getting gunned down. They're doing drugs. They're getting girls pregnant, all kind of crazy shit. So he really didn't have a lot of time to just fuck around. Yeah, we played catch. We went to movies, all that type of shit. But my dad was doing some serious shit. He was raising a young black boy in the inner city in the 90s. You know, the uh, hip hop culture is really taking off. All this, all this stuff, a lot of stuff is changing in the 90s. You know, hip hop is really starting to take over the world. Uh, people are dressing differently, saying, acting differently. It, it, it's just the, the world was, was, um, it was kind of uh, the, the state. The, I would say we were kind of coming into a different era in the nineties. Things, things were starting to change. And you're talking about a person that's one of 18. Okay. Grew up in the South. Things are changing. He knows how serious it is. My dad talks about how he's been in rice. He knows about, uh, you know, just, just racial uh, tension and how that can spill over. He he remembers the, the riots in Newark and all that kind of stuff. So he, he didn't fuck around when it came to that. And I'm going to these private schools with all these white kids. And he's really like, hey, I got to make sure my son has this shit together. And I, I didn't really take all that into consideration. But I also will say this, too. I left the house at a very, very young age. I was 18. Uh, that's super young. My dad was, uh, I think at this point, I'm older than my dad uh now then i'm older than him now than he than he when he was when i left if that makes sense i think i'm yeah i was about he was about 38 or 39 i'm 42 now and i've changed a lot just in those three three years and as a young 18 year old kid i don't know about evolving and becoming a man and i don't know about any of this shit all i know is what's going on right now you just get that. You just have tunnel vision as a kid. And just like he really didn't get to see me grow up and become a man because I was gone in the military. I didn't get to see him evolve and change into a different person. Like people's parenting skills and, and styles change again. Great dad. 
he was just a very strict disciplinarian, not a lot of time for nonsense, but he did enjoy playing with us and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying that, but his mindset was different. It was, it was, it was different. And the thing is, I kind of locked him into that for, you know, a decade and a half. I just locked him into, I, I locked Bobby into like 1996 Bobby, just like how parents can lock us into like, uh, you know, oh, it's like, dude, I'm not 10 anymore. I'm not 12. I'm not 13. We we can do the same things to our parents. They also grow and change. But with me not coming home as much, I just never really, uh, I never really uh, sat down and like tried to talk and understand. It's just I would come home every couple of years and I would go, man, this he's a little different. What's up with this? You know, and he would try to open up, but I was still stuck in like, I don't know. I don't trust it. Like, is this real? Like, is this phony? You know, and in, in, in your early 20s, that's a that's a really uh, difficult. It can be a difficult time uh, for young people just trying to figure out who you are, what you want to do, what you want to be. You know, just hormonally, just, just becoming a, an adult. It's a uh, it's a it's a. um. It's a, it's a, I mean, we've all done it. It's, it's, a, it's not an easy road. You know, we, we, our, our, our thought process is a flawed. A lot of times we think we know shit. Um, we're, we're harboring a lot of resentment from things that from our childhood still. And uh, I think I, I, I think I did that. And I don't think I allowed my dad to really grow up. Like my sisters would tell me stories about how they would go on vacation and he's buying appetizers for somebody. I mean, for the whole table, he's spending money. He's laughing. He's having a good time. And I'm like, I didn't grow up with that guy. So I, I don't know him. I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't know fun Bobby vacation, Bob, as they called him. And I really just locked him into this, to this very strict stoic person who, yeah, he was definitely there for me, but it was not a lot of fun and games. You know, things were very, very serious. And what's funny, too, is like. I tell my sisters this and they go, that's not the daddy that we knew. And she would tell me how, like, my mom, when they got into high school, my mom was really hard on them. And then it really hit me. I go, well, of course. Again, we talk about the uh, late 90s and stuff. Teenage pregnancy is is very, very rampant, especially in these inner cities and stuff. And my mom, being a woman, she's going to be a little bit harder on my sisters uh, about that kind of stuff than my dad. They got a more uh, gentle version of Bobby, who was more understanding. Now, you could talk things out with him. And they said my mom was kind of one that was kind of hard to talk to. And I had to tell her, hey, that's because it's a different perspective. The stakes are different. So we, we got to experience our parents at different points in our lives. And just because of who we are, uh, our, our, our sex and gender, and uh, we have we have different experiences. And, and I'm I'm so thankful to have a, a sister who listens, and she's just very um, just she's a thoughtful person. Uh, she's very empathetic, and sometimes I can I can forget about that, and 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 I don't look at the whole picture. There's a lot going on. I didn't allow my dad to really change. And I, I say all this stuff because he's going through something and I, and sometimes I find myself not having empathy, you know, cause he's going through his depression and all this kind of stuff. But like the guy that I knew, he would never allow that. And my sister had to tell me like, Hey, he's not the same guy. 
And it hit me. I was like, you're right. I did not allow this man to evolve. So I have to take way more responsibility in the fact that our relationship isn't as great as I want it to be. Uh, it's my fault. I I never, I just saw my dad as this finished work as this, like um, this, this, this consistent person who's, who's, uh, who just didn't change. Like he, Bobby is Bobby. That's it. Boom. This is how he th feels about shit. But that, that was not the case. That was not the case. Not the case at all. And look, I know this is a lot for a podcast for me to talk about my fucking dad issues. Like, yeah, I don't want to hear this shit. Right. <laughs> but I think we can all do that. If we have a fractured or a relationship with a, a parent or maybe even a sibling, an older sibling or younger sibling or somebody in that family, uh, Maybe that's that's part of it. We're, we have these people locked in to a certain time frame, and there were things that went on that might have bothered bothered you that you've been holding on to uh, in a in a negative light because you really haven't put everything into perspective when it when it when it comes to um, those memories and the and the the circumstances surrounding it. So, I mean, just getting older is, is tough. You're just trying to unpack all this stuff. You want to be a great parent. It, it makes you think about your parents a lot more, your childhood, you know, the things that you didn't like, the things that bothered you, you want to make them better. And I'm I'm, I'm doing that, and I'm realizing, like, I played a, a big role in, 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 in um, how I feel about things. And it's just, it really, it's not fair to him. It's not fair to, my, to, to anybody to lock them into uh, a certain time frame or a, a certain period uh, in time and parents do it a lot, but we have to realize that shit goes both ways. It goes both ways. And um, yeah, after I really had that epiphany, that realization, I, I felt a lot better about things, you know, because I, I just, I, I let go of some of the things I was just upset about. Like, Oh, he did this. They said that that shit's on me, man. And yeah, I felt a little dumb. You know, not not seeing that because sometimes it's like we're so close to things. We don't even see the most obvious, um, you know, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for. We we don't see the, we, you can't see the forest for the trees. You know, you're too close to it. And my, my sister made me realize that, hey, you just didn't allow this man to like evolve at all. And he has, you know, so. That was a very long winded to say that I, I didn't allow my dad to change. And I'm not saying our relationship is bad. It's just, we don't, we're just not as close I will, as I would like. And you got to realize like all that shit takes time and work, you know, just because someone's your parent, that doesn't mean that you're automatically just going to be close. You got to work at it. And I realized over the last 20 plus years, I really didn't work out a relationship with my dad. And here I am, you know, at this, certain juncture of my life and i'm like man my dad is he's going through some stuff but we don't really even have a relationship for me to to like truly help him out and 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 and, and that's my fault you know we gotta we gotta get past all the other stuff i think uh first you know build that relationship and then i think me trying to help him get out of his situation will be a lot easier you know because i, I kind of feel like I, I i don't know him and he really doesn't know me when i when i think about it um yeah, it was it was a tough realization. Like I said, it was it's been a tough week, a lot of a lot of realizations uh, this week, and uh, yeah. So I'm sorry this isn't like way more upbeat, but 
you know, this my, this podcast is coming to an end, man. I, I got a few more episodes. Well, yeah, 14 more episodes. And I just I really wanted to start digging in there and just and really talk about the things that uh that have been that have been affecting me, stuff that I've been thinking about, uh, stuff that's really been. um, Yeah, it's just been. um, It's uh, this this whole journey of life. It's just it's just odd. It's just so much to fucking learn, you know. Just different phases of your life, and it's all so new. And I know in a few years, I look back and see what I fucked up. You know, you think you're doing the right thing. Uh, all we can do is try. But uh, yeah, I think I did. I bring it down. You know what? So fucking what if I did? This is. I need to stop. If you like it, you do. If you don't, that's fine. You know, I I, I have to stop thinking about that type of shit. You like it, you do. You don't, you don't. What what can I really do about it? Um. But. <clears throat> So I'm excited for the the game tonight, game three. Uh, I know this is that's a hard pivot, but uh, I am really loving these NBA finals. I'm glad to be back into watching the NBA. I, I stayed away for too long. I stayed away for too long. As much as I love comedy, I, I I feel like I just abandoned everything that I that I loved because I just became obsessed with comedy. And uh, when things slowed down. Uh, yeah, I, I was just like, I don't have shit to do. I don't have any hobbies. I don't. Yeah, for ten years, I just didn't do anything but comedy. So it's tough getting back in there. You know, it's tough. I just, I just I, it's just a valuable lesson to, to to truly not put all your eggs in one basket. You know, you hear that, you you, you think about it in a a certain way, but again, you're so close to your life, you don't even realize that you're doing it. You know, you. <laughs> You don't even realize that you're doing it. Um, I'm not surprised. The first game, the first game, um, Celtics. They got that. They got that one win that uh, Richard Jefferson mentioned. You got to get that 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 win you shouldn't get. And they were down most of the game. Fourth quarter came back. They won. Uh, Al Horford had a great game. Like I said, Al Horford, even though he stunk it up game two. Um, I figured this was gonna happen. It's it's kind of like oh my god, I'm doing I'm doing I'm doing a soccer comparison. You know they give up a goal, and within a minute or two, the other that that same team that scored they give it up a goal. I felt like that was gonna happen game two. Um, so and and it did. You know they the uh the Warriors came out at home, got spanked game one. And game two, they came back, let the boys know, like, hey, this this ain't going to be a fucking cakewalk. So I'm really looking forward to game three. I feel like now the, the series has started. You both got your shitty game out of the way, okay? You got the shitty game out of the way. We're one-to-one. It's basically a zero-zero, five-game series. Here we go. I think from here on out, we're going to see great neck-and-neck uh, -neck games. I think that the jitters are out. And people are settled in, and it's just going to get better from here, man. And, and I said it before. I, this is why I love playoff basketball. As the series goes on, the storylines build, the fouls get harder, the, the 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 players are getting a little bit more uh, feisty. They're not putting up with other people's little shit. You're learning everybody's little intricacies, the the little nit noy annoying shit people are doing. You can't take it. The elbows are flying. I love it. And this one, this one is for everything, so I'm I'm really excited to watch the game tonight. 
uh, it feels good, man, to really be back into the swing of the NBA, man. I, I remember back in the day where I'm like, I, I can't go. I can't do this. This game was coming on. And for a decade, it just that fell off. That fell off. And it, it feels good to be able to go, you know what? I'm not going to go out tonight. I'm actually going to stay home and enjoy a fucking basketball game. I mean, because I had got to a point where I would turn the game on and I would go, why do I care about this? I would try. I would try. But um, I saw a news story that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, and now I'll get out of here. This uh, taser company called uh, named Axon. So it says Axon, the company best known for developing the taser, said Monday it's halting plans to develop a taser equipped drone after a majority of its ethics board resigned over the controversial project. Yes, you heard it. Fucking taser drones. This is like some ro weird RoboCop shit, man. And the thing is, you know where they want to deploy these things. They're, they're not putting these in white suburbs. They're not putting these in white suburbs. This is what happened with the board. They said the board had voted eight to four weeks, uh, a few weeks ago to recommend Axon not proceed with the pilot of the Taser drone and had concerns about introducing weaponizing drones in over-police communities of color. Yes. And uh, this board, which I found kind of rare, um, they said this later in the article. We tried from the start to get Axon to understand that its customers, is, that its customer has to be the community that a policing agency serves, not the policing agency itself. Very key. Look, I get it. You want to make sure that our law enforcement, you, you know, our first responders, first responders have equipment that can combat, you know, uh, mass shooting. Uh, you don't know what you're going to run up against when you when you're dealing with a criminal. I get that, but you also have to keep in consideration that the people that you could be possibly using this shit on. We do this when it comes to uh, weapons of war, the Geneva Convention. There are certain uh, types of ammunition and munitions you cannot use in a war. It's inhumane. We're talking about a war, a country that that we don't like, that we're at war with, that we're fighting with. And we're still like, hey, man, you can't use napalm. All right. We just can't do that shit. We can't use VX gas on people. Should It should apply at home when it comes to policing. Also, I've, I've heard over a thousand people have died using uh, from the use of tasers over the last 20 years from, by police officers. Now, is that a lot of people over 20 years? No, but it's too many. It's too many. Way too many people. And I feel like there's a lot of people in this country, if they if they knew they could they could uh just post a drone and have somebody fly and just start tasing niggas from from uh from across town to stop crimes, you best believe they're gonna they're gonna fucking want that shit. They wouldn't want it in their neighborhood. They wanted they wouldn't want it to be used on people that look like them. But for everybody else, absolutely, absolutely, they they should use that. Uh, and I think the Uvalde the shooting that kind of that kind of um, that kind of uh, uh, that shed some light on on this taser thing for these people on these ethics boards. They were like, "Look, where we're headed right now, like this is this isn't a good thing." And uh, I gotta say, shout out to the people who resigned. I mean, because this company really wants to move forward with, with this device. And I, I, I foresee nothing 
but bad things. A, a fucking taser drone? That's just the beginning. I mean, where's your fucking due process? Where where's the you need you need a you need a I think you need a cop on on site to really gauge a person's uh level of um uh aggression. Are they really mad or are they just venting? Like what's going on? You I mean somebody somebody just watching drone footage? You're not really gonna get the full context of that. So glad I'm glad that these people resign. And hopefully that this this shit never sees the light of day. Uh, oh, and I'll, I want to talk about a couple more things and get out of here. I hear people talking about how like, uh, oh, no one cares when white kids get shot. And here's the thing. When white kids get shot, take Parkland, for instance. What's that kid, David Hoke? And look, I get it. People don't like kids getting involved in politics when it's convenient for them because of some months back or a year ago, there was some white kid on some right wing rant about he should leave the schools and wear a mask. And you saw all these comments about how this kid should be president and our future is OK. It's like you're OK when kids are saying shit that you like. All of a sudden, it's just like kids, are, kids are smart. They're savvy. They understand all this type of shit. But the moment these kids are on the opposite side of the argument, you want to tell them to shut up. So y'all talk about how, oh, white kids get shot. And no one cares. They do. And you don't give a fuck. All right, like that David Hogue kid, he was a white kid. He was involved in shoot. A lot of white kids died there. What happened? What did white people do? Did y'all did y'all truly give a fuck? No. You were like, don't touch our guns. And you basically call this this kid a cuck and a piece of shit for wanting something to get done. So instead of trying to blame the media for liking black people more or they want to exploit black shootings, the thing is, you don't give a fuck when you're when white kids get killed. You don't. When white kids kill white, you don't give a fuck. The first thing you want to do is, is protect your right to bear arms. And I'm a gun guy. I have an AR-15. I've said that before. Your thoughts are not with these white kids that get killed at all. You, you want to defend a gun. The only time you come defending white kids is when they get killed by black people. What was the one little white kid's name that was killed around? Uh, I want to say it might have been around the same time Ahmaud Arbery was killed where he was, I think he was three or four years old. He was in his driveway. His neighbor, black dude, lost his mind, went over there and just shot this kid in the head, killed him right there in his driveway. And you saw all these people posting justice for this kid, justice, justice, justice. I haven't seen shit about that. Matter of fact, I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to look this shit up right now. Let's see. Uh, kid shot in head. A kid shot in head. Five-year-old. No, that's not it. Shot in the head by neighbor. By neighbor. Here it is. Cannon. There he is. August 14, 2020. Cannon Heinen. Yeah, where, where, where's the justice for Cannon people? Are you, are you still worried about Cannon? Or is that really just some anti-black shit? Um, yeah, I'm not seeing. I haven't seen much about Justice for Cannon at all. I might have to ask on social media whatever happened to Justice for Cannon, because no one, no one gave a fuck. And the thing is, yeah, that's awful. But you know that man's gonna go to jail for that. There's no, there's no one, there's no one asking to see what happened before that or what that kid said before. You know, no one, no one's asking those dumb fucking questions. At all. No one's asking questions. 
asking those type of questions. That's that's what y'all do when when black people get killed. You want to ask dumb fucking questions. Oh well, well, what 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 were they wearing? Did they say anything? Can I can I see what everybody had for breakfast? We don't know what happened. We have no idea. Yeah, what if this? What if? I watched this video the other day of these cops harassing this uh, black dude and his employees at his at a store. It's like one o'clock in the morning, and the cop is saying it's one o'clock in the morning. People that aren't in stores, it's, it's 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 late to be in a store. And the guy was just like, "So what?" And that's so true. So fucking what? If you were robbing a store, would you come talk to the police? Probably not. And the fact that it's 2022, and the thing that finally got this exchange of going back and forth, like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you my ID. I told you I work here. I don't need to prove shit to you. After doing that for five minutes or so. Another white store owner would go, leave him alone. That's his store. And they were like, oh, that's all we needed. It is wild to me that black people, we still need white people to vouch for us for shit. Grown ass people, people in their 40s and 50s, you need to have a white person to go, no, they're okay. What kind of shit is that? How, how fucking, how do, you, how do you think that makes us feel where as an adult, you pay bills, you, you you have a mortgage, you send your kids to school, you send them to college, all this, you take care of all your business, but you still got to have a white person come vouch for you to go, no, he owns that. And they go, oh, okay. What kind of shit is that? What kind of mental fuck is that? So before you start complaining about uh, no one caring about white kids getting, getting killed and shot, Ask yourself, do you give a fuck if white kids get shot or killed? Okay? And who are you protecting? Your gun or your kids? Ask yourself that. And with that being said, there's a show. That's the show. Follow me on all things social media at Chris Allen Comedy. Uh, I'm excited. I'll be at Magoobies Thursday, tomorrow, Thursday and Friday with Mark and Umar. And then uh, Saturday, I'll be in Haymarket, Virginia, doing a show. Uh, I can't think of the name of the venue, but I have it all posted on my social media. So if you're in the area, in those areas, uh, please come out and check out the shows. The uh, Norman shows might be sold out. Umar's recording his special on Saturday. But I'll be in Haymarket June 15th. We'll be back at the D.C. Comedy Loft with another installment of this host battle showcase. It's going to be a dope show. Uh, a lot of good comics on there. It'll be fun. June 15th, 10 bucks, 7 o'clock. Come on out. 7.30, come on out. And June 18th, I'll be at the Gore Theater with my man Mark Norman. I'm super excited. I'm not sure if... I don't know why I thought Bill Squire might be on that show. I could be wrong, but me, Mark, and maybe somebody else. So if you haven't got tickets to see Norman in Cleveland at the theater, do so today. We'll be there next week. And uh, yeah, I'm out. Peace. You have a great week. I'll look.